This is the Inside the News podcast, investigating rape. This podcast is a collaboration between the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. We look at how law enforcement in Minnesota handles the investigation and prosecution of rape and sexual assault. What you're about to hear is based on the reporting of Brandon Stahl, Jennifer Bjorhus, and Mary Jo Webster. In our last episode, we focused on sentencing and how at least one rapist in Minnesota was convicted of raping his best friend and didn't serve a single day in prison. In this episode, you'll hear how a team of three people in Utah came together to change the way we investigate rape. Their results are astounding. In 2012, Justin Boardman was a police officer at the West Valley City Police Department in Utah. He had a gift for sniffing out a thief or a liar. He was particularly gifted at diffusing domestic situations. But when it came to rape or sexual assault, Justin admits he was lost. Here's how he describes most of the cases he dealt with. Well, what she expect was going to happen. She was drunk and passed out. Um, throughout the evening, you know, the drinking got out of hand and people were flirting and maybe they played partly some strip poker or something and then she passes out. You know, what she expect was going to happen. This is never going to go anywhere. I can't prove it wasn't consensual. Or she would say, you know, I have these huge gaps in my memory. Um, I can't remember this, that, or the other. We investigated the crime to close them, not to solve them or to prosecute them. Meanwhile, across town, Julie Valentine, a sane nurse who had conducted hundreds of sexual assault exams in the Salt Lake City area, was feeling the effects of how cops like Justin Boardman were treating rape. One night, I had done an examination on a 17-year-old young woman who was profoundly traumatized after being raped at a party. And uh, when the law enforcement officer came to pick up the kit, he rather flippantly said, so was she really raped? And I had spent hours with this young woman and knew that her life would never be the same and uh, went home, stayed up all night and really thought, I have to do something to try to make a change and realized I would have a much stronger voice if I did research, if I really discovered what are the numbers, what is hap- what's happening in these cases. And in yet another part of Utah, Prosecutor Donna Kelly, who'd prosecuted rape cases for more than 23 years in Oregon and Utah, was having her own cosmic shift in the way she was thinking about how these cases were getting resolved. I, I thought things were going fairly well, but I was, I was frustrated with the things that I didn't make sense to me. Um, for example, if a victim told me, um, you know, I didn't scream or... I didn't try to push him off of me. I, I didn't understand that. That didn't make sense to me. Um, when they would say things like, well, my arms just wouldn't work. I, I, I didn't know how to deal with that as a prosecutor um, because I didn't understand the, the dynamics of trauma and what it does to the human body and the human memory. 
So as Officer Boardman continued to close cases and Nurse Valentine continued to research cases, Prosecutor Kelly had a revelation. Yes, I had a light bulb moment. (laughs) The light went on. And that was, I um, took a job with the Utah Prosecution Council, which is the training agency for prosecutors and law enforcement and advocates um, around the state of Utah. And I went to a training where trauma was discussed. Every session that I went to about trauma, I was just completely stunned at how little I knew. And, you know, no one had ever sat me down as a prosecutor and said, hey, you need to understand trauma because it's present in almost all of your cases. Um, So I I, I didn't know that I didn't know all this information, that I didn't know that this was a world out there that I should have understood. And so when I came back from that training in 2013, I began going around the state of Utah, you know, like a woman possessed. <laughs> I, I was I was determined that every criminal justice professional should know about this information because it will help uh, in so many different ways. And so um, that light bulb moment, I, I I was determined to put that into action and and make that something make that my goal was that I would help people understand trauma. As luck would have it, Officer Justin Boardman happened to stumble into one of Donna Kelly's classes on trauma, and it changed his life. And so I sit down, and she's going through this stuff. I'm like, huh, this is kind of, this is why I'm closing all my cases. What she's telling me is the reason I'm closing down these cases are actually evidence that something occurred. So everything's opposite. This moment when it goes from consensual to not consensual, your brain will react and record memories differently, as well as you'll have some physical responses. Um, so let's talk, let's talk tonic immobility. When that would happen and your body Um, switches over to the defense circuitry, there's a chance that it could go into tonic immobility. Well, if they didn't struggle or fight back, well, then they must have wanted it. But their body wouldn't let them. So people, I'd start reading these, these, my back reports, and they would say, you know, I felt frozen. My reflexes went down. Um, And then when this also happens, sometimes your memory is all jumbled up. I can't remember the exact sequence of events. What that triggered back to was when I was out in patrol, everybody lies to us. Um, And so when we'd catch people, suspects in a lie about, you know, whatever, dope in their back pocket, they were sketchy and I could catch them in these lies and they were all over the place. Well, that's how my victims, if their brains triggered, present. So they've been presenting like my suspects or like your kid, if he steals the last piece of cake and lies to you, they're presenting that way and they're telling the truth. Dude, you screwed up.
And then I started thinking about other times where this may have happened. And I remembered booking. I've booked a victim in jail before because I misread it. And I'm sure I've probably done more than one. You know, um, I totally misread it. So that was a lot of guilt. At that point, I was ready. I was done. I was toast. Justin felt so guilty, he actually tried to quit the sex crimes unit. But the advocates he was working with talked him into staying. They needed him on the inside to properly investigate these crimes. In the meantime, nurse Julie Valentine was wrapping up her research. Looked at cases in Salt Lake County from 2003 to 2011, so 2,241 cases. Took a random sample and found that only 6% of these cases were prosecuted, meaning 94%. Nothing happened in these cases regarding prosecution. Did the research tell you why? No, the research really didn't. But Donna Kelly and Justin Boardman knew why. Because cops and investigators and even prosecutors weren't trained about trauma. And then all three of them, Donna, Julie, and Justin, together decided to change that. We decided, as a a group of three, we decided that it's wonderful to have training and understand trauma, but it's also very, very important to have a realistic tool that officers could use in helping them to incorporate these trauma principles into their everyday practice. So we developed a um, trauma-informed victim interviewing guide sheet. And basically, it's one side of one piece of paper, guidelines for doing trauma interviews. And we began incorporating that as part of our training when we'd go around the state. And we incorporated it in West Valley City Police Department, which is the the second biggest uh, city police department in Utah. And they committed to using it for every sexual assault interview that they did, which was a huge bonus for um, moving things forward. It's basically guidelines and information that they can look at, like a one sheet that they can look at when they're doing an interview to remind them how trauma can affect a victim. Absolutely. That's a perfect summary. Okay. But most officers that we found take it into an interview, sit it on their lap, and look down at it occasionally while they're doing the interview. And I think that's probably the most effective way to use it. How has the protocol affected the outcomes of cases in Utah? We had an independent university researcher, Julie Valentine, do a one-year study. She studied it from May of 2014 to May of 2015. And every case that came into the uh, West Valley City Police Department, every sexual assault case, the protocol was used. So in 2014, in January of 2014, um, Julie Valentine had published her study uh, that was funded by the National Institute of Justice that found the prosecution rate in Salt Lake County for sexual assault cases was 6%. So our goal was obviously to increase that. Yes. And so at the end of the study, what she determined was that the prosecution rate for cases where trauma-informed interviews were done was 24%. Wow. So, so we went from 6% to 24%. But there's more. 
Julie's research and results also helped create legislation. I also studied the sexual assault kit submission rates, and my first numbers were 20% of the fully collected sexual assault kits were turned into to the crime lab, meaning 80% were not turned in. Uh, law enforcement, after those numbers came out, um, really became responsive and turned in about 90% of the sexual assault kits across the state, and this is a statewide study with thousands of kits, and this led to uh, law changes. We enacted House Bill 200 that I helped write. Uh, Angela Romero, Representative Romero, sponsored that, which mandates a submission and testing of all sexual assault kits. It also mandates training uh, for law enforcement be developed, and law enforcement has, has truly been responsive on wanting this training and implementing the information. Do you think what you have created in Utah, which, by the way, has one of the highest rates of sex assault in the country, do you think that could be replicated in other states? Absolutely. I think what we have done in Utah about training officers about sexual assault trauma, neurobiology of trauma, and trauma-informed approach, uh, you know, in, in their education to become officers, they learn about interviewing suspects. Most do not get any information about trauma or interviewing victims, um, and they want this information. So I absolutely think this program could be implemented. Uh, I know the military has done a lot about trauma-informed training and has really changed their numbers as well. So this is a successful approach, and I hope other locations in the United States look to adopt this. Julie Valentine is still a practicing SANE nurse, but she's also a Ph.D. and professor at Brigham Young University, where her research and compassion continues. Is my research talks a lot about numbers. I have a lot of information about kits, but we always need to reframe this information as to each one of these numbers, each one of these kits is a person. It's an individual whose life will be forever altered from the sexual assault. And it's not just that individual. It's the people that love that individual. It's the secondary survivors. And also an important fact is the only way that we can decrease sexual violence in our society is one, by talking about it, two, by creating societies where victims feel comfortable coming forward. Once they come forward and report, we need to support them and we need to improve our criminal justice system response. If we don't do those things, we will not make any difference in decreasing sexual violence. Justin Boardman is no longer a police officer in Utah. He started Boardman Training and Consulting and now travels the world training other law enforcement about trauma. Once I realized that I was wrong, I was making mistakes, there was a lot of guilt first off, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And I can draw a line in the sand and hope that I do a whole lot better in the future and try to do repair some of the damage that I've done is what I hope that I personally do. I want to help fix some of my wrongs. Another reason why I'm on the road and I train. And after 28 years of prosecuting sex crimes, Donna Kelly is more motivated than ever. 
I have seen that we can make a difference. Even though it's slow and incremental at times, um, we can make a difference. And so I'm committed for the long haul. On the next and final episode of Inside the News, Investigating Rape, How is Minnesota Different? It's been two years since the journalists at the Star Tribune began investigating rape and sexual assault in Minnesota. So what's changed? Has the needle been moved on prosecution and conviction? Has legislation been written? And how have the people who have investigated and lived and breathed these stories for the last two years been altered forever? The Inside the News Investigating Rape podcast is created by me, Jordana Green, Jared Goyette, and Dan Colhane with WCCO Radio. With reporting and audio credits from the Star Tribune's Brandon Stahl, Jennifer Bjorhus, Mary Jo Webster, and Renee Jones-Schneider. Star Tribune editing credits are Abby Simons, Dave Hagee, Eric Wiffering, and Suki Dardarian. <laughs>